You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. All right, John chapter 14. I'm just going to read one verse, at least initially. John 14, verse 12. These are Jesus' words to us. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Let's pray together one more time. Father, we come in here with baggage. We come in here with doubts and fears and questions. We come in here distracted with minds running a thousand miles per hour. We run in here worrying about what other people think of us. We come into here with to-do lists that are a mile long. And right now, what we just need, Holy Spirit, is for you to show up. You are here, but we need you to draw our attention to you. Your word is alive and it's active. We know that right now it's, it's, it's as powerful as if you were standing here speaking to yourself. So please take it and drive it into our hearts and transform us more into the image of your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Hey, did any of you ever play the game Follow the Leader when you were a kid? Anybody besides me? Um, I remember on Baldwin Elementary Playground, if we didn't have a ball, we would play Follow the Leader. And you remember the game, right? You would choose a leader among your group. And if the leader, like, jumped up and down, then you would jump up and down, right? If the leader, like, flapped his, his arms, you would flap your arms. It's kind of like Simon Says. Simon Says is really the same thing, right? And so you'd pick a leader named Simon. And he'd say, okay, Simon Says, rub your belly. And then you would do what Simon does, right? He'd say, Simon says, pat your head. And you would pat your head. I mean, it's a very simple game. And I began to think about that this past week. How interesting is it that when it comes to the church, when it comes to following Jesus or doing what Jesus says, we often play a different game. In that, whenever we look in the scriptures and we see what Jesus did, we say, ah, we don't really have to follow the leader. We don't really have to do what Jesus did. As long as I just like want to do it in my heart, that's all that matters, right? Or as long as I just memorize the things that Jesus did or study those things or talk about, that's really all that matters, right? But we know, like, this is, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, think about it whenever it comes to our own children. And we've talked about this before. I've used this example. But imagine if I told my kids today, hey, Nora and Wyatt, I want you to go and clean your room. What I don't want is for them to come back and just say, hey, Daddy, I memorized what you told me. You said to clean your room. Right? Or, hey, Daddy, I, I, I really liked whenever you said it. I like the way you said it. I like the tense that you use. That was really great. I'm even going to bring some of my friends over. And we even talked about, like, what it would be like to clean our rooms. <laughs> no, like, what I want them to do is what? Clean your room. Right? Like, as your dad, I have done this. I do this myself. I pick up after myself. And I, I've showed you how to do it. Now, I want you to actually do it. And you see, the same is true when it comes to our discipleship to Jesus. Jesus does not just want us to know what he knows. He literally wants you to do what we see him do. In Matthew 4, 19, I'll put it on the screen for you. When Jesus called his first disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's be with me, right? And then you become like me. I'm going to make you, right, into fishers of men. That means that you will one day be able to do what I do. Just as I came to earth to fish for men, to bring them into my kingdom, now I'm going to send you out to do the same thing. And then we get to Matthew 28, the end of, chapter, uh, the, end of the book of Matthew, 24 chapters later, and what happens? Jesus says to them in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Then he says what? Go. 
and make disciples. In other words, go fish for men. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, there I am with you always. And then you get to Acts chapter 1. And what does Jesus do? After he finishes his ministry on earth, he says, I'm going to send to go back to be with the Father. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you my very spirit, the same spirit that empowered me to do the works that I do. I'm going to send him to empower you to do the works that now I've called you to do. And so they received the Holy Spirit. And what do we see the church doing in the book of Acts? The same stuff Jesus was doing in the Gospels. They're healing people. They're casting out demons. They're proclaiming the gospel with great power and authority. I mean, they're doing all the same stuff that we see Jesus doing. And I think the temptation is, is to look and say, well, that was just the early church. That was just the apostles. Right? That was just that time, first century. I mean, that's, that's great, but there's no way that could happen right now in 2017 in Paragould, Arkansas. Maybe some of you believe that, and I would just ask you this morning, why? Who told you that? Because you're not going to find that message in the Scripture. In fact, what does Jesus say? If you look again in John 14, verse 12, does he say that just the apostles can do the works that he did and greater works than these? Is that what he says? Does he say just the spiritually elite, that just the pastors can do what he did in greater works than these? No, what does he say? What's the word? Verse 12. Who can do the works? Whoever. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. In other words, because I'm sending you my spirit. Now, let me ask you this question. Why is it that we believe the whoever in John three sixteen, but we don't believe the whoever in John 14? John 3, 16, the most like quoted verse by Christians, right? For God so loved the world that what? Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Let me ask you if you're a Christian. Do you believe the whoever in John 3, 16? Do you believe that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, that whoever trusts in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, no matter who they are or where they come from, whether they're poor, they're rich, they're black or white, no matter what, if whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Do you believe that? Amen. Yes. So why do we believe the whoever with such conviction in John 3, 16, but we don't believe the whoever with such conviction in John 14? Whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. You're like, what in the world does he mean by greater? I don't know. Some people say it's greater in quality. Some say it's greater than quantity. No reason to debate on that. Let's just at least agree on this. Whatever he means by greater, he doesn't mean lesser. Okay? He means greater. Jesus says to us, you can do what I did. And this is not just a possibility, it's a promise. It's a promise. Some of you may remember the first week we were in this series, I talked about we have a few nurse practitioners in our, in our church, and they're basically, they're like the same as an MD, as a medical doctor. They just don't prescribe narcotics, at least not yet. And so um, I asked Rebecca Coble, I was like, hey, what's the process like to become a nurse practitioner? And if you remember, she said... Um, you got to get your basics, and then if you get your basics, you try to get accepted into the Master's of Science and Nursing program, which is three years long, and you do all that stuff there. And then uh, while you're in that program, you do, uh, where's one of our nurse practitioners at? I forgot. Is anybody, are they all, hello, anybody? No, none of them are here? Any of them? Okay, all right. I'll just make it up. I don't remember how many hours it is, but there's like 180 hours or more than that. I don't remember. It's a ridiculous amount of hours. You have to basically go shadow another doctor. 
And while you're shadowing this doctor, right? I mean, you're watching their every step. You're learning how to do what they do. And so Rebecca said that one day, like her doctor came in to her that she was shadowing and said, hey, here's your otoscope. Now go see your first patient. And she said she was nervous, like, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to mess this up. But she said, I was also really excited because when I signed up for this, I didn't sign up just to know what the doctor knows. I signed up to be able to do what the doctor does. Guys, that's the reason we sign up to follow after Jesus. As his disciples, we don't just seek to, to, to be with Jesus, which is the first and foremost goal. But as a result of that, we should be becoming like Jesus and more and more finding ourselves doing the things that Jesus did for his glory. And what are the things that we see Jesus do in the Gospels, by the way? Let's, we, we did this a couple of weeks ago. But let's say it again. What are some of the things that you see Jesus do in the Gospels? Just say it out loud. What do we see? Heal, Heal people. What else? Cast out demons? Forgive? What's that? Turn water into wine. So, right, is it miraculous things? What's that? Okay, resist. Talking about, yeah, resisting temptation. Anything else? I mean, we could go on and on with things we see Jesus doing. What's that? Multiply food. Took little and made a lot so the people could be fed, so their practical needs could be met. Right? I think we could sum up what Jesus did on the screen by uh, putting this up there. We see Jesus preaching the gospel. He's practicing spiritual disciplines, which, right, is fasting and prayer and silence and solitude. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's eating and drinking with people far from God. He's doing justice in the city. He's making peace. He's praying. He's prophesying, and he's standing up against corruption. I leave that on there because here's just my point. Guys, look, as a disciple of Jesus, this is your goal. Your goal is to eventually be able to do these things, not necessarily overnight, not necessarily by the end of the year, but still, this should be a goal. Listen, I'm not saying, by the way, that you should leave here this morning and like go to Linwood and try to call Frank Nash out of the mausoleum, okay? <laughs> Y'all know who Frank Nash is, don't you, by the way? Are you, are you kidding me? Famous mobster buried right here at Linwood Cemetery. Google it. Just not right now, but Google it sometime. It's an incredible story. I'm not telling you to go to Linwood and try to raise Frank Nash from the dead, right? Like clearly there are some things in the book of Acts that are unique in that time period, right? Like my shadow has never personally like fallen on somebody and healed them like we see Peter's doing. But here, you've got to get this. The Bible is clear. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to live the life that he lived was given to the early church to live like Jesus and is now given to us. So that we can do the things that Jesus did. We can be with him, become like him, and do what he did. Now here's the question some of you doubters may be asking. Well then why in the world have I never healed the sick? Why in the world have I never cast out a demon? Right? Some of you are like, I wish I could do that in my own children this afternoon, right? <laughs> like why in the world am I still falling into the same sin pattern over and over again? Why am I scared to death to share the gospel? Like, Why am I not proclaiming the good news about Jesus with power and authority? Why am I not experiencing more of the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, these are questions, right, that maybe many of you are asking as I'm talking about doing what Jesus did. And, and the answer, it might be a little bit, you know, the answer to your question, it may be a little bit specific to each one of you. There may be some unique elements to why you're not experiencing that. But as a whole, let me just say this, and I'm going to be done. I mean, we're going to move pretty quick today. Here are two things that I say we need to keep in mind if we are going to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did. And the first thing I would say is you need to remember that spiritual, the intentional spiritual formation paradigm that we shared last week on the screen. Ryan, do we have that? Or we can put that up. There it is. 
If you want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and actually begin to do what he did, you need to remember this. The first thing we talked about last week is you need to, and by the way, we're going to talk a whole lot more about this over the next four weeks. Adam's going to come back next week and talk about teaching and practices. I'm going to preach a couple sermons on community, and I'm going to do a whole sermon on the Holy Spirit. But quickly this morning, if you want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, you need to sit under gospel-centered teaching. Do you realize that we are all being formed every second of every minute of every day because of the stories that we are believing? We're all believing certain stories. Like if you believe this morning that like rather than Adam being a pastor, he was a terrorist, which he's not. But if you for some reason believe that, do you think that's going to shape whether or not you decide to renew your membership next year? Right or this year? Obviously it is. You're like, I'm going to find a new church or we're going to kick him out. That story you believe will shape your life. And we're all believing stories about why we're here, what our existence is, stories about God. That is why we need ultimately to be reminded of the story, the truth that we find in Scripture of who God is, what he's done for us in Christ, and how that changes who we are and how we're called to live. So being here on Sunday mornings is important to renew your mind, to be reminded of the ultimate reality that we find in Scripture. So it's important to get involved in a missional community and have uh, gospel-centered discussions there and eventually to dive into a fight club where you can begin to apply these things to your heart. Teaching is incredibly important for shaping us into the people Jesus has called us to be. Secondly, because, of, uh, because information alone is not equal transformation, we need to put this stuff into practice. So if we just show up here, and, and if, if this is your posture, like honestly right now, if you're just showing up and you're like, I'm just here checking a box, like you're probably bored out of your mind because you have no intention of applying anything I'm talking about today. So you're just like waiting for it to be over with, right? And you're just then you're like, why am I not changing? Why am I not becoming more like Jesus? Because information alone doesn't equal transformation. When you come here, you need to be an active, full contact listener. Taking what is being taught up here from the Word of God and thinking, how am I personally going to apply this to my life in order to become more like Christ? We need to practice the spiritual disciplines. We don't just need to talk about it. We need to figure out what does it mean to spend time in prayer like Jesus in silence and solitude and fasting, right? We need to actually begin to apply these things to our lives. Third, because change does not happen in isolation, we all need to plug into community. Do you realize in Corinthians the church is called the body of Christ. That means Jesus, in, in this great mystery, in, in his own design, he said, the way that I'm tangibly going to be present, the way I'm going to put flesh and bone on my presence in the world is through the local church. That means if you want to really be connected to Christ as intimately as you can be, and therefore be conformed to him, you need to be connected to the church. You need to be a part of a community where people are, right, as you're living in life on life and in community, having your sin exposed and then being encouraged, right, in light of that. Some of you are like, I don't want my sin exposed. Like, I already know I'm a, I'm a sinner, right? Like, yeah, true, we all know that. But some of us are blind to sin in our life. We're blind to areas where we are not like Jesus. And until we can be honest about those things, we can never really fully become like Jesus. Community helps expose that stuff. And then what community should be doing is if it's grace-centered, which is what we're aiming for here, you're being encouraged, with the gospel. You have someone patiently walking with you through that saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, I'm here to help you work through that so you can become the man or the woman God's created you to be. And then, obviously, all of this happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who did not check out of the Bible Project, um, as we went through Leviticus, well done. Congratulations, right? Some of you are still with us in the Bible Project. And if so, today we read Numbers chapter 11. And as I was reading in that this morning... 
I was, ama- I was amazed. It just kind of jumped out at me for the first time this morning. Moses is leading the people of Israel, and he's like, God, these people are impossible. Like, I cannot lead them anymore. There's such a burden for me to lead. And then he said to God, like, I, you know, like, I need your help. And so what does God do? He says to Moses, he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the elders of Israel the Holy Spirit. And then he says, well, I don't just want the elders to have the Holy Spirit. He says in, in chapter, or verse, uh, yeah, chapter 11, verse 29, I want everybody in Israel to have the Spirit. The law is not enough. To just know all the right stuff, it's not going to work. I want everybody to have the Spirit. And, and unfortunately, Moses never got to experience that in full, but we do. As the church, if you trust in Jesus Christ, you get to receive the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead in you. You see what Moses was praying? He was saying, God, these people, they're never going to be able to live in the way that you've called them to live apart from your spirit. And we have to get that today. For some of you, man, I've been praying this morning, God, please fill people in our church with the Holy Spirit. Please, like for some of you, like you, you've given your life to Jesus, but you're not living aware of and connected to the Holy Spirit. And that's why you feel today powerless. That's why you can need to struggle with the same sins over and over and over again. We cannot do the work of God apart from the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit. And if you uh, want, go listen to sermon number two in this, and we talk about how to live connected to the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about it more in a few weeks. And then what you need to see here is all of this change happens over time. You see at the bottom, change doesn't happen overnight, so don't get discouraged. And then it happens through the hard knocks of life. Suffering can do one of two things. It can either drive you away from God, or it can make you more like God. Jesus Christ suffered more than any of us will ever suffer, and we cannot possibly become like him apart from suffering. And we're going to talk about that um, in the summer. We're going to do like a six-week series on suffering. But all of that is important. We have to remember that. And the second thing I would say before we're done this morning is none of that is going to matter if you cannot start by being honest with where you are in your discipleship to Jesus right now. If you were to do an evaluation of everyone in this room, what you'd find are people in here are all over the map in their discipleship to Jesus. Some of you right now are walking so close with Jesus, praise God, you feel like literally you might just feed 5,000 people this week. Some of you are like, I don't even think I could feed my neighbor. I'm so scared I can't even walk across the street and get to know my lost neighbor. Some of you are like, you spend times in the Word, seriously, you're in silence and solitude for an hour in Scripture. Some of you are like, man, I can't even hardly spend five minutes in the Word. Some of you have been disciples for 30 years. Some of you literally just started following Jesus this past week, praise God. Some of you in here, you lead missional communities. Some of you are like, I don't even know how to lead myself. And so again, we're all over the map. And listen to me carefully, guys. Listen, if you are going to grow, if you are going to mature as a disciple, you have to stop comparing yourself to the people next to you. And you need to go to God's word and you need to be honest about where you are. And a lot of that say, Holy Spirit, what's next for me? What's next in light of where I am and I know where you're calling me? What is next for me in this stage of life? For some of you, the next stage in your discipleship to Jesus is to get back in the Bible project. Right? It, maybe, you, maybe you hit the eject button as soon as we started talking about like not drinking like milk from the, the goat and things like that, not cutting your hair on the sides, and you're like, woo, like I'm done. Right? You just hit eject. Or maybe you missed a couple of days and got discouraged, but your next step is to get back in the scripture. Right? To get back in. Just pick up where we are in the book of Numbers. For some of you, your next step is to get regular on Sunday mornings. Some of you are like, I'm here on Sunday mornings as long as it's convenient, as long as the kids are perfectly behaved, as long as my schedule pans out, right? And it's just you're hit or miss. And so maybe for you, the next step is being regular on Sunday mornings. Maybe for some of you, it's to get involved in a missional community. 
been coming on Sunday mornings for a while, and now it's time to get plugged into an MC. For some of you, maybe it's time to get involved in a fight club. For others, maybe it's time to become a member, to go from dating the church to be like, man, I'm, I'm going to fully commit, right? Or it's maybe to start serving in the nursery. Amen, Luke? All right, yeah. <laughs> Told you I'd try to plug that. So, right? Maybe it's to start giving. Maybe for some of you, it's to start confessing your sin. David says in Psalm 32, 3 through 4, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of the summer. You cannot live in hidden sin and have a vibrant, life-giving, joy-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you right now feel like you are honestly withering. And it's because you have hidden sin in your life. David said, literally, I mean, I felt like rather than growing, I was dying because of sin that I just kept inside of me. Because I cared more about projecting myself as this awesome person than I cared about actually communing with the God of the universe. Some of you in here, you need to come clean about your porn addiction. Some of you, you need to start confessing the fact that you've been popping pills that you don't need to be popping in order to try to numb some pain other than physical pain. Some of you need to be clean. You need to come clean about the fact that you have been spending way more than you should be spending. You're in major debt, and you're in big trouble financially. I don't know what it may be, guys, but we need to confess our sin. Maybe that might be the next step for some of you. Maybe for others, you have an iPhone addiction. I've heard of some of you this past week who, because of this series, have been deleting social media apps. Right? Awesome. Praise God. Maybe that's not what everyone needs to be doing. But maybe you need to do that or get rid of your phone. Maybe some of you need to take the Enneagram test that we've been trying to talk about over and over and promote and promote and promote. And so, uh, you know, some of you are like, you know, I, I have no idea really who I am. I'm not really connected by emotions, nor do I want to be. And I would just say, like, you more than anybody probably need to take the Enneagram, which is a way to help you understand how sin has impacted how you relate to God, yourself, and others. It's a huge step. Like, again, like, you need to understand where you are to get to where you need to be. You need to come to the workshop. When is it? The February 17th and 18th, right? We're having free dinner for our members, free breakfast. Maybe that's your next step is coming and learning more about, again, who you are and how to be the healthiest, most sanctified version of you that you can be. Point is, listen, again, if you want to grow, if you want to mature as a disciple, here's all I'm trying to say. Be honest about where you are. Be honest about where you are in order to get to where you need to be. I'm thinking about... um. You know, Kenny and Beth Ford, I don't know if any of y'all met him. Uh, met them. Uh, they're in Kansas City this weekend, but they told me I can share this as, as an example. Um, they started visiting. They said they've been thinking about visiting fellowship for like a year, but they're like, eh, they're in a cinema, so they've got to be a little bit shady, you know. And then it's like we got in this building, and like, yeah, it's still a little weird. But all right, they, just, they finally decided to try fellowship out on a Sunday morning. I guess it was like three or four weeks ago, something like that. And I went and grabbed lunch with them because they wanted to grab lunch following that. And so I went with them, and um, we grabbed a burger at Feisty's, and and we're talking, and I said, well, man, what was your experience like, Kenny? And he said, man, to be honest, like, we were extremely uncomfortable. And I was like, really? And uh, he said, yeah, man. He said, because first off, I was the only person in the whole building wearing slacks, you know? <laughs> He's like, the pastor wasn't even wearing slacks. He's like, secondly, I was probably one of the oldest, we probably one of the oldest couples in the room. And third, I come from a Church of Christ background, and so, like, there's zero music in a Sunday gathering, and you guys are, like, rocking out, you know? Like, people are raising their hands. He's like, so I was, yeah, I was very uncomfortable, and I was about to try to kind of apologize somewhat, and he was like, but please hear me. That's what we needed more than anything. He said, we have been comfortable for too long. 
And we need something to pull us out of our comfort zone because we know unless that happens, we're not going to grow and become more like Jesus. And so what's cool is they've continued coming, and now they're looking for different missional communities to plug into. And this past week, their son Carter shot them a text and said, Hey, Mom, Dad, I just want you to know, and Adam, you were there. You got to hear him talk about this too. Shot them a text and said, Mom, Dad, I just want you to know that ever since you've been a part of fellowship, I've just seen your passion growing and your love for Jesus, and you're already beginning to experience I'm just seeing more fruit in your life that looks Christ-like. And they were so encouraged. They shared that with me and Adam. And here's just the point. Why were they growing? Because they understood where they are and what the next step was for them to get to where they need to be. And for them, it was stepping out and getting involved in something like this. Again, I don't know what it may be for you, but here's the question as we kind of come in for a landing this morning. Where are you in your discipleship to Jesus? Where are you in your discipleship to Jesus? And a lot of that, what is the next step that you need to take in order to become like him and eventually do the things that we see him doing. Some of you, you know exactly what that is. You've just been disobedient. I want to encourage you, trust Jesus. Some of you in here, honestly, your next step needs to be goal number one, to be with Jesus. Some of you right now are not connected to the vine. You're, you're rushing through the times in your word. You're not praying. You're not fasting. You're not making time for silence and solitude. Some of you have begun to believe the lie that doing work for Jesus is the same as being with Jesus, and it's not. Some of you in here today, like you need to start. Next step for you is to be connected to Jesus. And here's the good news today, guys. No matter how complex your life is, no matter how challenging, no matter how difficult, no matter how much baggage you have, no matter what stage of life, you can be with Jesus. You can be his disciple. You can follow after him, and as a result, you can change from the inside out to become more like him and eventually do the things that he did. Jesus himself said in Matthew 16, 24, and 25, here's the word again, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, will lose it. But look at this great promise. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. You want to be Jesus' disciple? You don't have to try harder to be better. You just need to surrender. You need to come to him as you are with all of your doubts, with all your fears, all your issues, all of your junk. And you need to say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I surrender control. I'm going to stop controlling my life, and I'm going to trust you to control it. I'm going to trust that you truly did come and live a perfect, sinless life on my behalf, and that you then went to a cross, and at the cross, you became my sin, so that when I trust in you, I can become your righteousness, so that I can receive your perfect record and now stand before God, holy and blameless and accepted. Jesus, I trust that you went and and you didn't just die for me, but you rose from the dead. You conquered sin and death and hell. So now I can trust and have great hope that I will never be conquered by any of those things. Jesus says, trust in me. He trusted me. In John 14, 6, it says, trust that I am the way, the truth, and the life. How do you walk in the way? By trusting in the way. By trusting in Jesus. By following after him. By believing that his truth will set you free. And that in him is life and life abundantly.